So, you know, there's, a, <laughs> there's always this, this attempt in, of, of attaining perfection that falls, that falls flat. Like when I was a kid, I just had that first child syndrome, I feel like. I always wanted to impress mom and dad. I was always afraid of, uh, of doing the wrong thing. And, and sometimes, you know, as kids... I want, I want to ask a parenting question right now for those of you that have little ones. Um, we just celebrated Max's second birthday. And what amazes me about Max turning two is the fact that he turns two, but he can reach a lot more now than he used to be able to reach. And, you know, you got tricks that you try to, play, try to put things higher and higher, and eventually he's going to grow and get smart enough to figure out how to get to the thing I'm trying to keep him from. And uh, I was wondering how that was going for you maybe in your life, as, as there are things in our lives that, that sometimes we try to keep our, our kids from, and we're not always successful in being able um, to keep our kids from things we wish they couldn't reach, they couldn't grab. We think about that in, as our kids get older and become adults. That ultimately we have to step back and let go and we, we want to keep certain things in their life far, far away, certain experiences far, far away, but we can't. Um, think about some of the things in life that we try for, we strive for, we've tried to achieve, we've tried to attain, and it's just, we tried really hard, but it was just beyond our reach. It was just beyond our grasp. You know, Lindsay Kay and I were talking about that this week, uh, of when was a time that you really just tried and failed. There were some... Uh, acceptance letters or academic dollars to college that wasn't quite reached because of a score or because you weren't quite in the percentage you needed to be in. Think of a job that you've tried to grasp in your life or, or whatever it is that you really, really tried and it was just for whatever reason beyond, beyond your reach. And sometimes in life we just have those experiences. There's just some things that are beyond our reach. And I want us to think about that as we ask this question again, where is God? We're in the final week, week four of the sermon series. This is the conclusion of our sermon series, where is God? We've been asking that question. We've identified it's a human question that we ask, sometimes in anger, sometimes in despair, sometimes out of curiosity. And week one, we said, God is here. Jesus reminds us as he comes, Emmanuel has come. He is incarnate. He is here. And in week two, we said God is there. And there meant the cross. There meant this intersection of our hopelessness and our helplessness in life. And often in life, when that is our experience, when that's the season that we're in, Jesus came here to go there so that in the midst of our suffering, we can still experience redemption. We can participate in some ways, in God's love for us. And then last week we talked about God, God's within. God's within, the proximity to the power that raised Jesus from the dead. The proximity to the power that saves us isn't an issue for us because the Holy Spirit is with us. Jesus says, I, I will, I'm going away, but I send an advocate. I send my Holy Spirit to be with you and upon you, a healthy prayer life. We talked about this frequency of, of increasing the rate at which we, we listen to God through his word, through this community of faith and prayer. We said a healthy prayer life isn't about praying big prayers occasionally, but simple prayers. 
continually, continually. And Pastor Pete Gregg, that's a quote from Pastor Pete Gregg. And today, our affirmation as we close this series is God is beyond. What do we mean by God is beyond? He is always more than our language and definitions. He transcends our attempts to box him in and categorize him. It's a mystery, right? Because we have been given enough to say positive things about God, to proclaim the truth about God because, because he's here, because he put on flesh and bone, because he came to teach us and reveal to us. And yet all of our attempts to describe him, he some, somehow transcends all that. I mean, just think about the nature and the definition of God for us, that he's three persons in one essence, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's three, and yet he's one. And, and we've tried all throughout the, the witness of the church and our church history to, to try to explain that. And we've looked in nature. St. Patrick famously, you know, picked up the clover leaf in Ireland to try to, to, try to say, well, God's sort of like this. And there's, there's three little little things in the shamrock and but yet it's one and and that doesn't quite work because it's really just one it doesn't really get at the distinctness of the persons of the trinity and yet people have tried to talk about h2o of water we see water as a liquid we see water in steam we see water as ice as the solid and yet it's the same thing and yet it's three things but that doesn't quite work either because because when it's liquid it isn't steam and when it's steam it it isn't ice and when it's ice and and that's not how how we understand God and the persons of the Trinity because we know in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and we understand in the gospel of John that that word that God speaks is the is the second person of the Trinity who was in the beginning there was never a time when the son didn't exist. There was never a time when the Son was not. And we understand the same is true of the Holy Spirit in the beginning. When God speaks, God's Spirit is in the midst of all this chaos and darkness and is there in the beginning too. So the, there was a, never a time when these, these persons that we understand that are part of God's nature, there's never a time when they didn't exist. And what do we mean by person anyway? Because we, we know God, and this gets at why it's so hard for us to understand God sometimes. We understand God is beyond, that God is a person, but we don't mean he's a person like you and I are persons. He's not a human being. He exists as a spiritual being. And that's part of it too, that he is different in kind and he is different in degree. He is God. He is creator and we are creatures of his creation. So that's part of what we mean when we say God is beyond. And we also mean he's different in degree, that when we think about God, he is greater. He's holier. Like he, he's the only one worthy of all of our praise. He's so much more. He's so much more than our words and our imaginations, our ability to comprehend. 
And even saying all that God is, it's our best attempt to describe who he is with us and for us within space and time. And yet we understand in some mysterious way that maybe, maybe on the other side of eternity, we'll figure out, maybe it's not even important for us to even know that somehow God transcends space and time. There are many scripture passages. It's hard for us to pick to get at this, at what we mean by God is beyond. Isaiah chapter 55, verses eight through nine. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Or Acts chapter 17, verse 24, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and he does not live in temples built by human hands. I think of all the affirmations that we've gone through throughout this sermon series. This is the one we we most readily understand, which seems like a contradiction. It seems weird to say that. Well, like we're, we're quick to say and understand God is beyond maybe before we, we are quick to say and understand some of the other affirmations throughout this series. What I mean is, I think we know what we don't know about God. I think we know there are limits to, to what we can know ab- about God, that, that he is wholly other, that if we had the privilege of seeing him, a vision of him, of his presence, we might see something like John in the book of Revelation, chapter one, verse 13 to 16, where this is what he sees, but, but what he sees the, the language that precedes this description of Christ is the word like. It's like your kids sometimes often use that word too many times, but we see prophets when they're given these visions of like the throne room of God, and we see it here, the word that precedes this amazing vi- vision that they're trying to do their best to articulate with the language that they have is, it's, it's like, it's, it's like this. It's, it's the best description, it's the best attempt, but it's also a confession that what they're seeing is, is beyond description dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. So even though this is the affirmation we may not have as many questions about, I think it's important for us to know there's a reason it's the last affirmation that we're talking about and that we're exploring because it has the danger of undermining what we've covered so far. If we rest too much and God is beyond, we can quickly quickly assume that that means we can't experience God. He's just too far. He's too transcendent. He's he's too much. He's beyond our capacity to experience. So it's important, we need to take care, be careful here and now to note that there's a good reason, I think, why we waited 
for this last affirmation today that it's in light of God is here. It's in light of God is there. It's in light of God is within that we also say in addition to God is beyond. And unlike our failed attempts, our lack of achievement, our inability to reach what we've wanted to reach in our lives, God is beyond doesn't mean we can't reach him. And it's not because of our strength. It's not because we're special or we're powerful, but he has made himself reachable to us. It's because he has come down in his loving action and the initiative that he first makes towards us, towards us, is why God is beyond doesn't mean we cannot reach God. He is always mysteriously present with us, often beyond our abilities to even perceive. As we remember those first couple weeks, we talked about those two men on the road to Emmaus who Jesus was right there. He was right there in their presence, but they were kept from perceiving and they were kept from recognizing. God, isn't, God is beyond doesn't mean we get to take it easy. It doesn't mean God's just going to sort all this out and, and, and it's all up to him and we're not responsible for our lives. In fact, it means the exact opposite. And we're going to see that in our passage today that I want us to read in Matthew chapter 25. It's a famous passage that many of us are real familiar with. And this passage shows how God is beyond, but, the, but God is beyond means he cares and has a specific vision and mission for how our lives are supposed to play out each and every day. Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 to 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or need clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick and in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, 
you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So here we get a glimpse of the end, a picture of the final judgment when Christ comes in his glory with all his angels and he's coming only in the way that he can come. God is beyond is expressed in that only he comes in the end, only he comes as the judge, only he comes as the king. No one else can separate the sheep from the goats. Another illustration he'll use earlier in the gospel of Matthew is the weeds from the wheat. No one else can make these kinds of distinctions and make these kinds of separations. No one else can. No one else can come and discern and separate the the ones who were really wolf in sheep's clothing from the actual sheep. No one else can come and make the separation from the one who has said Lord and has come to church but doesn't know God from the ones who have have been plagued in life by a lot of questions and doubts, but, but genuinely cry out before God. No one can separate the sheep from the goats. No one can separate the ones who go back and forth of being the, the top givers in the church, even though it's only spare change from the ones who struggle week in and week out to pay the bills, but always give God their first and their best. No one else can do the separating. No one else. And yet, so often we try to do the separating as a church. So often we confuse the boundaries and see ourselves as judge. And we're warned here against doing that. That God is beyond means there's just certain, off, there's certain offices and responsibilities that only he has. And only God is beyond to be the one that can separate in this way. And the too often the church forsakes its understanding of, of, of her role and misunderstands that God's the only one who can see clearly and objectively and purely judge. We don't have that vantage point. God is beyond and he wants us to move beyond where we are. And because he is beyond, he can move us beyond where we are into deeper communion with him. A way of saying or articulating the Christian life is is even though we're different in kind from God because he's creator and we're creature, he's made us in his image. And we understand a way of understanding the Christian life is growing in the likeness of God. That the power that he gives us is is at our disposal so we can be made like Jesus. So that we can move into his glory to reach what we can never reach on our own. We can move beyond being a slave to sin. We can beyond move beyond being self-centered and self-seeking. We can move beyond focusing on ourselves and see our, the people that we're called to serve not as, as people that are just in need, but as people whose Christ's presence rests upon when we feed the hungry, clothe the naked, visit prisoners, care for the sick. We move beyond where we are and closer to Christ. God is beyond doesn't mean he's far or absent. Here Jesus says, I'm with those 
who are loved, who you are loving, who you are serving, who you are caring for. I'm right there in the midst of that, even if we can't perceive Christ's presence always there. God is beyond doesn't mean Jesus is far, doesn't mean the Holy Spirit is far from us. This is a message Jesus is saying of, of, of we've, we've got to stop judging. We've got to get busy loving and serving and caring so that we move beyond apathy and anger. We can move beyond fear and frustration. We can move beyond grief and despair, those things that plague us, those things that keep us stuck. God wants us to move us beyond where we are now. And he's quick to show compassion without discrimination. And he's encouraging us to show the same kind of lack of discrimination with those that we encounter in our lives. There's more though. There, there's part of this story that we understand like Jesus's life, his message is consistent. He showed, he showed compassion without discrimination. He came to die for all of us. And we see all throughout his life, this is who he's made us to be to serve in this kind of a way consistently across the board. But there's something else that he's also established in the gospels and especially the gospel of Matthew. When we think about family, those of you who have done this and treated the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, Jesus already throughout the gospel of Matthew has redefined family and what family is, right? Jesus' family comes to him and, and wants a meeting with him in, in one episode. And Jesus asks the question, well, who? Who's my mother? Who's my brother? Who's my sister? And he says, those who do the will of my father are my brothers and my brothers and my sisters. So there's also, we understand that this applies universally. The church is supposed to care and serve and love in this way generally speaking, but we also, this is a, a word of encouragement for the church, that we are a church triumphant, that it's, it's a word of warning to the world that if the world were to treat the brothers and sisters of Christ in such a way, there is one who is coming, who is beyond, who will come purely and objectively as a righteous judge to call every single person to account. And so we, when we think about the church in seasons of persecution and the early church martyrs, and I invite you to look up stories that are coming out of the church in Nigeria, in Iran, and what's going on all around our world where, where the church of Jesus Christ is still being persecuted. The faithful followers are still being persecuted. This is also a word to the church to encourage the church to endure, to stay victorious, to be patient through suffering because we are a church triumphant because there is another who is coming who will call every, every person, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. There is one who is coming who will call us all into account and God comes and he wants his word for us this morning. I know is, is he is beyond, but, but he is beyond so he can move us beyond where we are so that we don't stay stuck, so that we don't stay in maintenance mode. Uh, Paul Rasmussen is the senior pastor of Highland Park United Methodist Church. And he says this about the church. He says, the gravitational pull of church is always away from advancement towards preservation. 
And so we wrestle with this question, are we still willing to follow Jesus where he would lead us to go? God is with us. He is here. He is within. He is there. He is beyond. Jesus is the head of the church. He is leading the way. Are we still willing, church, to follow wherever Jesus will lead us to go? And we wrestle with this question out of the recognition that the pull of our humanity and our sinful nature is away from advancing the kingdom of God into the future. It's away from that into self-preservation, into settling and maintaining what we've been given now or what we've been handed what's been handed down to us from the past. So we have to recognize there's that there's that pull in us to just stay and maintain and rest in preservation. We've recognized this is a critical season in the life of our church. It's why we started our fall season with Be Brave, the sermon series, Be Brave, because we want to challenge ourselves to be brave and courageous and do what God has called us to do. And as we've identified that, uh, Pastor David, in, in meeting with Pastor David this week, um, he has some challenging questions as we end this series and get ready for our new series called Story. He has some challenging questions for us, and I want to close by giving you some of Pastor David's words and these, these challenging questions for us, because they also highlight a little bit of the Together campaign and our, our building uh, project. And so they're challenging questions for us as we all discern together what it looks like for us to move beyond where we are to follow wherever Jesus is leading us to go. Are you still willing to follow me wherever I would lead you to go? Are you willing to sweat or get wet to ensure that when the first time guests arrive, the first thing they see is a welcoming face instead of a closed door? Very soon, we hope to have a groundbreaking for the 200 new parking spots. We will be adding across Pleasant Ridge Drive it has taken a bit longer than we had hoped to get all the appropriate permitting for that, but that's going to happen soon. And when it does, if you're a regular here, will you be willing to park across the street to free up space here for that individual or family who is coming to worship for the very first time? Do you still have the desire to be the church that is leading our community in the way we care for those in our area who find themselves in need? Are you still willing to do what others have done for you by making room for those who have not yet found a home here? If your participation in worship is something that has become subject to everything else that may fill your weekend calendar, are you willing to turn those priorities upside down? Would you be willing to commit yourself to being present in worship over the course of our next six-week series we're calling Story, as we learn about our participation in God's grand story and, and our understanding of our own story and being able to express the power of God's story at work in us. In a world that is consumed by our own desire for consumption, are you willing to be as generous to the future life of your church as those who came before you were generous to the future that they may have never seen but are living in today? Does your heart still break for those who do not know Jesus? Are you praying for God's prodigal sons and daughters? 
Is your posture towards others the same as the father in the great prodigal son story who is standing on the porch every day looking over the horizon, (laughs) praying that one day his son will come home? It is a brave and necessary question to ask, where is God? And it's an equally courageous act to realize there are moments when God's response is, I'm right here. Where are you? Are you still willing to follow me wherever I lead you to go? Will you please pray with me? Holy God, we just pray for clarity this morning as a church, as individuals, as family members. Lord, we pray for a clarity of direction, a clarity of purpose, a clarity of call, Lord. Where are you leading us? Lord, help us take bold and faithful steps. God, we thank you that you are not far from us and that you are indeed leading us. And that to answer, to ask the question, where is God, isn't necessarily a sign of lack of faith, but it's a genuine longing in our souls and our lives to please you, to be faithful. God, help us see each other as you see us. Help us care for your children, God. Help us be your light in this world. Lord, give us words to encourage someone this week who needs some hope. Because there's no easy formulas, there's no easy answers. Sometimes in life we... There are waiting seasons. There's seasons of suffering. And God, you, you hear all that. and You're with us in all of that. So help us just love each other through seasons where we don't often get easy answers or quick fixes. But we do have each other. We have your strength. We have the truth of your word and the promise that we can rest in that is the hope of glory that is the victory that we read today, that you will come and rescue your people. We thank you. We pray all this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.